Yo, what's happening, guys? So I thought I'd sit down, do a Nevada recap. Um, man, you guys are so good at following along on my adventures and um, encouraging me. And so I thought I'd just return the favor and let you know how this Nevada hunt went. Uh, I didn't end up doing a, a live recording. Uh, we ended up videoing it for a future Eastman's episode, either on the Beyond the Grid or Eastman Eastman's Hunting TV. So... Um, but yeah, I thought I'd sit down and record one real quick. It's been kind of a whirlwind here starting season. Man, I just love this time of year. I just want to take a quick minute here and just thank um, all my sponsors for the podcast. Uh, you know, this is this is the way you show your support for the podcast is showing support to these companies that make this thing go. So um, thanks a bunch to, to Eberly Stock, to Matthews, Sig Sauer Optics, to Sitka, Sportsman's Warehouse, Swagger Bipods, Zamberlin Boots, High Mountain Seasonings, and Onyx Maps. And then I, I'm actually really excited. We've got a new sponsor that's coming on for next year. Uh, so not a sponsor yet, but a uh, Savage Rifle. So um, super excited about that. It's just it's just great news for the podcast. Um, but yes, season has started. Uh, what a first trip of the year. Uh there's nothing I love more than than high country mule deer. It just takes absolute dedication uh, to to even give yourself a chance at success. And then, you know, the, those muley bucks they just have such a way uh, of humbling me or humbling everyone. You know, their their instincts are so keen, and then the rough rugged that country they live in. So, uh, man, I was super excited for this hunt teamed up with my buddy Dan Heverin. We do a bunch of hunts together. He just I couldn't ask for a better hunting partner. Guy is just tough as nails, keeps a good attitude. And then, you know, there's there's two of us and and uh we were trying to film each other and so we're splitting stocks on things and so, you know, you got to have a pretty good relationship with your hunting buddy because you got to share all the encounters. You only get half the stocks, you know. And so uh, it's tough when you're you're such a driven bow hunter, but you're just looking for the better of the team. You know, I really want Dan to be successful and, you know, he really wants me to be successful. So the relationship works, you know, we both drive hard and, and look for opportunities. And so we, um, we took off on this hunt. I'm still drinking my coffee here this morning. We're actually, um, it's back to back. I've been back for two days here and then, um, Dan drew a really good elk tag. So, uh, just like what I'm talking about, being a good hunting partner, I'm going to go down with them, try to capture the hunt and then, um, just try to help anywhere I can. It's a early season, uh, elk hunt, which is really unique. You hunt them in August. So, you know, we could find, you know, a bull in velvet, which is really rare. Um, but definitely early season bulls that are bachelor herded up and, uh, we're going to spot and stalk them just like we hunt a mule deer. They're living kind of in the higher country or they usually live in higher more rugged rough country than the cows i mean it's almost exactly like hunting a mule deer only he's got uh only it's a giant bull you know that weighs 700 pounds and has six foot a rack so uh pretty excited to help dan out on this deal so we've had two days off to get our laundry done batteries charged uh work done oh my gosh um, just trying to keep up with everything I got going, construction and, and everything. But this is just going to be a heck of a hunting season, and this was a heck of a way to start it off. 
you guys heard my attitude before I went down or uh, my mindset, you know, and, and it, it's just to give my all on these hunts and have an adventure. Uh, you know, I, I say it all the time, bow hunting public, public lands is one of the toughest challenges you can take on. So to expect success on every single hunt isn't realistic, you know, that, and, and I run pretty good odds on my hunts, but, um, you know, that I, I just know, you know, that, that not every hunt is, is going to come out exactly the way I want it. And I have to be okay with that. I have to enjoy the entire process and enjoy the grind. And I, I sure did on this hunt. So we took off, um, a couple days before season, get down and do a little scouting. And, um, you know, all these hunts, they come with challenges and I talk about preparing for these challenges, but you never quite know what they're going to be. And so it's just keeping like in good headspace and being able to handle them as they come. So, um, kind of do a recap. So we drove down first night we parked, uh, we stayed like kind of lower in the desert and then, um, we were going to cruise up into the mountains that next morning before light. And, uh, we just get down there and we're, uh, you know, sometimes I'll set up a tent if it's going to rain. A lot of times I just throw out a piece of canvas and we just sleep on the dirt, which we ended up doing a lot this trip. Um, so, so we got down there late and uh, we were going to throw out the canvas and start sleeping. We threw out the canvas or whatever and uh, start start setting up our bags. And I look over and, uh, gosh, there's a little scorpion there, you know. And I'm not, I don't see many scorpions. It's just foreign to me. You know, I just don't, you know, uh, living in Montana, there isn't many of them. And I've actually, I haven't seen many scorpions, you know, some in Arizona, I guess. But um, so there's a little scorpion no big deal. We're still going to sleep outside. And then um, Dan starts throwing the, the straps in the truck or whatever. And uh, dang near gets hit by a scorpion in the straps. There's another one. So we're just camped in a nest of these things. You know, it's it's the perfect way to start out a hunt, you know, just in a nest of scorpions. So we end up setting up our tents that night. So uh, we didn't get hit by a scorpion, but we slept that night. Uh, went up scouting, uh, did did find one good buck scouting, and just kind of got a feel for the range. Uh, this is a unit I've hunted before, but I've never hunted this mountain range, and I was pretty excited about it. It's got a wilderness study area in it. Wilderness, wilderness study areas, they usually apply to the same rules as the wilderness does, uh, which is good. No vehicles, you know, especially down in Nevada where there's a lot of roads, so... Uh, we really thought we were in the money, saw a good buck down there, and um, kind of got a feel for the range. Not seeing a, a ton of deer. Like, the population, you know, it's not extremely high in this country. You know, there's five, six, seven drainages without even a deer in them before you hit one with even some does or a couple bucks. But So we backpacked in, scouted that day. I think we backpacked in that night. Let's see, how did that work? I know when we ended up backpacking in, so we had a day of scouting and then um, had to be the, the season open the next day. And so uh, we packed in um, that night, got up into country, just beautiful looking country. And there was an old road that kind of went through this wilderness before they made it a wilderness study area. No big deal. It doesn't bother me at all. So we start glassing around and we don't really pick up anything that evening. Um, maybe one smaller buck or something like that. And then, so next morning we start cruising ridgelines, start exploring, looking for deer and picked out a pretty good buck. He had big backs and kind of smaller fronts, but a uh, good shooter. Uh, I had Dan up first. Um, 
you know, I just, uh, that last spring I, I closed on that, um, bear, you know, Dan gave me the first stock on that thing or I was up first. So, it, you know, I thought I was, Dan has never killed a buck in, in, uh, that state or never hunted that state. So I figured, well, Dan's at first, I'll, I'll video him and then I'll take the next stock. And we had to work pretty hard for the first stock. Um, I, gosh, I mean, I think we grinded, we had uh, three days worth of water. So we brought uh, 10, 11 pounds of water a piece. So 20 pounds of water. And, uh, we pushed it pretty good on this trip. We found some good bucks. This gave us the slip. We, um, found one really nice, heavy four point Dan was going to shoot, um, really the, those six hour, those 15s. Um, I thought instead of bringing two scopes up on the mountain, I would bring 15s with the tripod. Dan would bring his spotting scope. That way we could tell what the animals are, but I could use those 15s. Man, that is a sweet pair of glass. I've never owned a pair. I've always gone 10 by 42s in a scope. But, uh, this trip, I ran those 15s and I ended up running them the whole trip and they, uh, they created quite a few opportunities for us, man, those things at, at, at the right distance, like you can't, I can't carry those things around my neck cause I can't see things close as well, but they've got such a great field of view and you're able to look afar. And the first buck we found, I found a smaller buck bedded in the trees with the, the, I was using the 11 by 45 SIGs, found that one bedded in the trees. And so I set up the 15s and started, you know, just dissecting those trees, looking around and. Gosh, I just picked up an antler out there. It it was probably my greatest spot of the trip and maybe my greatest spot of the year. Uh, just could barely see an antler in there. And it took forever for me to show Dan where he was at. And Dan's got, he's got a good set of eyes. If, you know, he usually spots half the animals we see. And um, it was just a tough one to see. But he got up. We were going to play on him and um, just had to wait for him to get to a good spot. So he got up and fed around, kind of bedded back down again and, kind of knew where he was at and we were kind of waiting out some of the heat of the day and waiting for the bucks to reposition and then um got a little little cloud came over and didn't look like any big deal started to kind of sprinkle on us and then that thing just unleashed on us for hours gosh it had to be three four hours that cloud just hung around us and so many strikes of lightning a lot of them were were cloud lightning but there was just no break in the lightning, like in the thunder. It was just one right after another after another. We finally, we um, we were kind of just off a ridge. We ended up moving down a little bit, getting to a safe spot. But we rode out hail, lightning, rain. Uh, gosh, there had to be some 60-mile-an-hour gusts that came through there on the, the front of that storm. We were actually a little worried about our tents that were a few miles back that— you know, I just had this this vision of this tent getting caught in the wind and blowing over the mountain and ending up nowhere even close to where we set it up. Like you couldn't even find it. Just take our sleeping bag and pads and just blow them off the mountain. But uh, luckily, our our camp was okay when we got back. But just waiting for this buck and um, the storm came in. Just had to ride it out. It's all we can do. And then in the middle of the storm, kind of get a little break and glass down. And here's that buck we had been watching, and he had he had rolled so far from where we saw him he was on the other side of the mountain and he swung all the way around and came below us and um we never saw him come up the other side or um, never saw him get out of there and so we kind of knew he was below us in that timber so finally the storm uh kind of stopped and you know there was sporadic storms that kept going throughout the night and next day next afternoon and things but we uh, decided to get around get a vantage point at where that buck disappeared and got around on him and just couldn't turn him up. 
uh, nowhere to be found. So I ended up going back. We've got another day's worth of water. Next day we took off to this peak I wanted to get. And that's what I feel so good is uh, on a hunt where I really give full effort, where, you know, you face challenges and uh, face things. And, you know, in this wilderness study area, there's not supposed to be any vehicles in there. That's what the the road use map says. But, you know, there's kind of local rules in there. And, and so, you know, all of a sudden we're, we think we're in the middle of this wilderness and have it all to ourselves. And we hear side by side coming up and guys starting to get out and, um, you know, it's like, what do you do? You can't police the area or, you know, you just got to deal with, with the conditions you're given, but it's kind of local knowledge. I mean, they had, you know, there were signs that say no vehicles that were torn down and, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say or what to think, you know, some guys just aren't following the rules the same, but so we dealt with a, a handful of side-by-sides coming up there because, of course, it's the best spot in the whole mountain range, you know, and, and it's it's wilderness study area. So, um, you know, there was quite a bit of pressure up there um, from guys driving in, and that gets frustrating, especially when we backpacked up, you know, 3,000 vertical feet to get up there, you know, just hiked our butts off and take our whole camp and all our water up there, and then somebody cruises up with a side-by-side with a cooler full of beer in the back, uh, it's, uh, it, 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 you know, it frustrates you. You can't help it. You can't help but be frustrated at the situation you're in and that, you know, the, just that guys aren't playing by the same rules that I'm playing by. And, uh, of course I know the rules. I can't drive up in there or whatever, you know, I, but you know, it just is what it is. So, you know, we were able to turn up bucks just by effort, not getting discouraged, or you know, totally discouraged, I'll say, you know, it's just like, well, we just got to get away from the roads. So we took off to this far peak next day and, um, up there glass in the backside. And I kind of look back and I'm glassing these good features and I pick out a heck of a good buck. So Dan hasn't got his stock yet. Hasn't even got a chance. We found a couple shooter bucks that we just haven't got stocks on. They just gave us a slip that first one, the first morning, um, he was kind of coming towards a saddle and we were going to cut him off and he ended up working over the top and then we got up there in glass for him and never could find him. And then that's where we found that other buck in the trees. But anyways, I see this good buck and he's feeding down there and he's actually with a handful of does. Finally beds down, we watch him for a couple hours and the stock is going to be huge, you know, and, and we're pretty much out of water. You know, we have maybe 15 ounces for the day or something. And so, um, what do you do? All in, right? <laughs> uh, absolutely all in. So Dan was up on the stock. We had to go a long ways around this buck and then drop down 1,500, 2,000 vertical feet in the heat of the day. And that's another thing, you know, talk about the lightning or the challenges there, scorpions and things, but the, the heat is just so intense, you know, 90 degree heat in these mountain ranges and, and really dry. My mouth has never been so dry, but we make play on this buck. God, we creep in over the rock and we just can't see over the lip where the deer should be bedded. And so we keep trying to close in. And I think, you know, we got to within 45 yards of the buck or whatever, but just couldn't pick them out in the trees. And they ended up, you know, one of those does or something picked us out. had a good wind, had everything right, but picked us out. Situation blew up. So uh, then we just had a long walk back to the top, and um, it was hot. Just, um, 
you know, all that heat training just comes into play. All those heat runs I do. In fact, you know, I've been back for two days and I've been running. We've actually had high 90s heat. Uh, one day it was 100 degrees and so I couldn't help myself. I had to go running it just because the, those heat runs paid such dividends on this hunt. And, um, you know, all my training I've already put in, but I just want to keep my body used to that exertion every single day. And so, you know, I've been back for two days running, shooting my bow, just like I'm training, you know, just getting ready for, for these next hunts. Uh, this, this will not be the end of my hot weather hunts. Uh, going down to hunt this elk tag with Dan, super hot. It's going to be 90s down there. And then I've got another muley hunt coming up for late August, early September. And um, it's it's down in the desert. So that one's going to be hot as well. So just keeping my body used to this. So we climb up out of there. We pack up our, our camp. We're out of water. Um, we're going to go hit a different mountain range. So, you know, we're a little frustrated with the wilderness spot in there. We found a couple good bucks, but, you know, they're just, there wasn't that many of them. They're few and far between for all the miles we covered. So we pack up our camp, head on out of there, and, um, gosh, I took a, I took a pretty good spill at one point, scraped up my arm pretty good, um, you know, not that big a deal, but... Uh, God, all that rock is just sharp up there and uh, covering so many miles up and down. Everything's loose. Just had a rock kick out from under me. And usually I'm pretty sure footed, but scraped up my arm pretty good. No big deal. But we head on out and um, start hunting in a new mountain range and um, start looking around. And, you know, it's tough when you've just done a three day backpack trip where you put on so many miles, so much elevation and now you just got to start over at the bottom again, load up that pack, load up that 11, 12 pounds of water a piece for another, you know, three days of hunting. And, um, so we headed into a spot and, um, got in there and, you know, finally we're, we're, um, up on a ridgeline with no, no vehicle access or very little vehicle access. People have to hike to get in there, you know, so that's what separates you. Effort just always separates me from other hunters, you know. It's, it's just the equalizer, and guys can put in effort for one day or get up there one time, but day after day after day, um, that takes dedication, and that's one thing I do have is I just will not quit. Uh, uh, I talk all the time, like the, the biggest asset you can have on these hunts is perseverance, you know, and, and I, I also tell you guys hunting these muleys, it's all about how you can see country. And so, you know, sometimes a master vantage would work better, but I, I just, I like running these ridge lines, and then you have to be careful because you're just getting peaks at country and you may be looking at one basin. You got to travel country. It's tough to find the master vantage point when you're up on it. Um, so we're really looking hard for ways we can see things, but we just get up there and just start covering miles and we're not seeing a ton of deer, not seeing a ton of bucks. Um, but just like I told Dan, we just got to keep covering these ridge lines. There's, there's good mule deer in these mountain ranges. We got to find the basins they're hanging in. And so we just start covering miles and covering miles. And, uh, that night, um, man, it started to get dark and we're just rolling all these ridge lines. We can't turn up a buck or a good shooter buck and starting to get dark and we're way up on top and gosh, the wind is just howling and there's just no spots to camp up there. So we ended up, 
we ended up tucking into a little rock. I mean, it was the smallest spot to sleep. In fact, I had to do some stone masonry work to be able to get a flat spot where I'm stacking these flat flat rocks down by my feet. So I've got a level place to sleep. No spot for a tent. You know, it's like you can barely find a spot for your pad and your sleeping bag. But it's also pretty wild. Like we are on an adventure. You know, this is what I this is what I crave and what I love. You know, is this um, this this raw uh, human versus the mountains? Like it's it is it is mountaineering, and, and we don't. You know, we're not just trying to grab a peak and hike back down to the truck for a cold beer. Like we got to get up there on that ridge line, just cover miles in this this mountainous terrain. Uh, uh, just looking for these bucks and then you know you end up sleeping in these spots by rock crags or during the day you're trying to get in the shade get out of the heat um, but it is absolutely mountaineering and um, it's one of the things I love about mule deer is just the places that they take me the extreme country that they live in and so uh, we're covering miles and then next morning we wake up daybreak and uh, start again we just got to start covering miles and we actually spotted a pretty good buck bedded in the perfect spot Uh, but just not the buck I'm looking to shoot not the buck Dan's looking to shoot so we give him a pass and um, we get over by that buck and you know we're trying to see if he's got any buddies with him or anything we don't see any deer with him but we get over by him and then look back at kind of the hillside we were on that we couldn't see and um we spot a couple bucks down in there. There's like three bucks, three four points, and the one, the one is a really good one. Um, man, he's the buck I'm looking for, and uh, I'm up on the stock. He's um just this really nice, heavy, got big fronts. He's got you know good backs. They're they're kind of. Uh, you know, they're not the biggest feature on him. I say big front, small backs, but his backs were not small. You know, he was just a good mule deer, 25, 26 wide or something like, uh, really close to that 180 mark, I would imagine. Maybe 175, something like that. But, um, just a great buck for the unit and a, a great buck for this hunt. And so going to make a play and, you know, you guys heard me talk before this, this podcast, just, um, how I really wanted to make good on my opportunities. When it's my chance to stock or when it's my chance to move in, I want to make the right moves and um, really use my skills and my patience to to get the most out of it. And I tell you, I mean, that stock on that buck was flawless. I bedded him down in a group of trees. He kind of bedded lower than the other bucks, but we had a really good approach with a great wind um, and, and had to be creative with the winds. Like, uh, this was on a lee wind side of the hillside, which I don't always like. Um, so we weren't dealing with with thermal winds very much on this side. I mean, it, it was blowing like almost down the mountain or down and across. And so, you know, I approached from above the buck the way the basin laid out and the wind was just perfect. And as I crept in, you know, that country is really dry and really noisy. And so it takes the key to being quiet is moving slow. And, and the slower you move, the, the quieter you can be. And it, it, was, it was like on another level, like uh, as, as far as footfalls and keeping quiet. And I knew this was a great opportunity to kill this buck. And so we close in. Dan's going to video for me. And so we get two guys in there and really take our time getting in there. But we were probably in position within 45 minutes where we could see the buck move within 30 minutes because we had to work around, drop some elevation, then come over the this this spur ridge on them. And 
just a flawless stock keeping to the shadows. And then the two other bucks that were with that buck, I spot them and um, they're kind of on the hillside. They're bedded or moving around. They don't see us. We're able to move through the shadows and we get just perfectly placed with this one group of trees where this buck is, where we think this buck is. And just time to wait. Get my bow set up and we, we were lucky enough to find some shade. And so we're just kind of waiting in the shade and I'm, I'm about 60 yards away from this group of trees and just hoping this buck's going to feed out and give me a shot. And gosh, two hours go by, I sitting there and just nothing. So that, that buck, he had ended up moving as we were trying to get around on the stock. I, I don't know how I thought I had him bedded tight in there. Uh, I know I didn't spook him. I know he didn't catch any wind. I know we didn't bust this buck, but you know, it, it wasn't the first time and won't be the last that I make a stock on a, on a buck that's not there. You know, they just, uh, sometimes they have a knack for making the right moves, but you know, I, I got a chance. And so, you know, it just is what it is. So we look for that buck that night. He never came out and I don't know if we couldn't see the feature around the corner, we just couldn't relocate him. So, um, you know, no choice but to just start covering country, looking for another buck or maybe try to catch up to that buck around the corner or, um, catch him the next day or something of that nature. But, um, yeah, so we start covering country, uh, found just a, found a giant buck, um, down below us off the ridge there. And, um, it was a, it was a really good buck. God, the frame on this thing was absolutely unreal. Like well over 30 wide, super tall, like high one nineties, low two hundreds buck. And, um, Dan's up on the stock, you know, we're, we're switching stocks and trying to put this video together. And, um, like I say, it's part of being a good hunting partner too, is, uh, you know, you, you want your buddy to get the chances at these next level deer as well, you know? And, um, so, so, uh, Dan's up on the stock and we drop down the ridge and try to get after this buck. And, and to tell you the truth, we were, you know, at times moving down the hillside, the wind would be okay. Like, like drifting up or drifting down. Um, but it wasn't a good angle for these deer and, and we kind of both knew it, but it was one of those things in the evening where he was feeding down below. He was in just the perfect spot to kill him. If we just would have had that, that wind a little bit better, uh, at times going down the hill, it was like, man, the wind's going to be fine. We're going to kill this deer. And then you'd get a bad gust and go, man, that's not a good wind, you know? Uh, Smart hunter, maybe we would have backed out and waited to the next day. Um, you know, we'd we'd seen, you know, even though we had separated ourselves backpacking, we did see some guys in there. We saw, uh, we met one guy on the ridge. After I'd got done stalking that buck, he was up on the ridge, and I think he was trying to kill that two by four up there. Um, but uh, anyways, he he made a play at that. So you know, guys around and these deer were kind of lower on the mountain. We had to go run off the mountain and drop about 2000 feet elevation, almost to the bottom, you know, and then climb back up that night. But it was worth a chance and worth a go. And the buck was in the perfect spot. It's just, um, got down in there and that wind swirled a little bit and that buck picked us up and, uh, took off and, and, uh, no shot opportunity there for Dan, but, um, just the way it goes, just, uh, mountain hunting, trying to make good decisions and, you know, Sometimes we don't make the best ones, but uh, dropped down, got winded on that buck. So we just keep covering miles, and we finally get into a piece of country that's holding quite a few bucks. And we find this master vantage point that's just this sick vantage point for for first light. 
next day and we're we're now we're three days into this backpack trip so we're you know six or seven days hunting and then with scouting you know seven eight days something like that um that next day we don't have much water to make it the next day we figure we got you know a morning hunt we got till noon i think we started off the day with 32 ounces of water which usually in montana that would get me all day but in that that heat down there and um the wind drying you out and then putting on a bunch of miles in elevation you just go through water so we um we picked up this master vantage point it's just the sickest vantage point we start spotting all these deer out spotting all these bucks and so finally we've got a couple shooter bucks i end up spotting this this one he's a three by four but he's got a really good frame on him older age class deer nice eye guards i can tell he's a good buck and then uh, we're watching him, and then we're watching a big three-point with a sticker and um, watching these bucks, and we bed him down, and I bed that three-by-four in a really good spot. He's with one other buck, smaller buck, and he beds in a group of trees and kind of a wide-open hillside, and so we just know where he's at. So we're all in. Um, you know, it's the, the last day we have water. Uh, you know, we've got a couple more days to hunt, but last day we have water in this country, we're going to have to pack out, grab more water. There's no water on top. You got to go climb 3000 feet to go play the game and there's no water up there. And it's one of our advantages really is that most guys hike up there with one bottle of water and can't stay up there, you know, where we can take three days worth of water, 150 ounces and pack up there and, you know, live for three days, you know, and, and really hunt effectively, but we're about out of water. And, uh, so we go for it. We're all in, we're going for a stock on this buck, but he takes a long time to get to, he's just a long ways down the ridge. And then we got to drop a bunch of elevation. Uh, but we, we get ways down that ridge and I glass down that buck's still in the same spot. Everything's looking good. And so we work around him and, uh, Dan's filming me and, um, we're able to get around, make a play on this buck and again perfectly executed stock it was in this this steep loose rock gravel which is really noisy to stock in again it's just all about moving slow and um you know i i'm the team leader because it's my stock you know if dan was a team leader i'd be following him and following his lead uh, where he wants to go and using his instincts and things but uh yeah my approach was just flawless on this buck and i really slowed us down I mean, it it was painstakingly slow to move in this gravel and not make any noise, but I just wanted to keep that element of surprise. I hate stalking to failure, and uh, I got in close, held Dan up, and I crept in another 20 yards or so. I got inside my effective range, and um, so I was right at about 60 yards of this buck, and I could see his horns down there or his antlers above the, the sage, him and his buddy down there. I could see him kind of moving around, and so... I crept down about as close as I could get, which was 60 yards. And in hindsight, you know, I probably could have got 10 more because we had to wait for an hour and a half for this buck to stand. But again, I'm trying to play this game uh, of setting myself up so I have a shot when this buck gets up and, and not stalking in too close where I make too much noise where the buck picks me up and then blows up out of there, you know. And so it's like this fine line and it's, you know, I've been shooting absolutely all summer. That bow is just dialed in. So, you know, it's like 60 yards. All right, I know I can make this shot. That buck stands up, he's dead. We wait for an hour and a half, and we're just in the middle of the sun, too, in the heat of the day, 90-degree heat, just baking us. Um, there's there's not even a bush to hide behind. Uh, but we sit and we wait. We're patient. We don't throw a rock. We don't get the buck up. We wait for him to stand. 
And pretty soon after an hour and a half, this buck stands and gives me a good shot down there and put one on him. Um, I'm still not quite sure what happened on the shot. Uh, means so much to me to make a, a perfect shot and, and end, you know, to, to make a clean, a, a clean kill on these animals, you know, and a clean, efficient, quick kill on these animals and put a perfect arrow in them and die. I, you know, I hit this buck, I hit him good. It was center of body, but, um, gosh, it was just back and it got the shot broke freaking perfect too i mean pin settled on him i mean the only thing i can say is that the pin was a little erratic on the body it was we'd sat there for an hour and a half and the the hillside the way it was positioned you know i was sitting on one foot my other knee was up it was an extreme downhill shot uh my feet had fallen asleep you know of course i was trying to move around but keep quiet and i'm not making excuses here i should be able to make that shot 100 times out of 100 times you know that's what i practiced for and and i did i put a good shot on that buck but it you know he didn't run out and fall over dead and that's um he ran out he was hurt bad uh i mean he ran 100 yards and then bedded down and then you know, got up from that bed, bedded in another group of trees. And so, you know, I, I knew he was hurt. I knew we were going to get him, but, um, I didn't, I didn't feel the best about the shot. Um, I just don't, I just, you know, sometimes I know what happens on a shot this time. I just, I just didn't, I, uh, the pin floated. And then when it broke, you know, my, my hand extended back and followed through. I didn't choose when the arrow went, I, I pull, 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 you know, I did everything right. It just, um, you know, it's a game of inches and, you know, I'm back in the liver, which is a, a lethal shot. And sometimes they die right away with a liver shot. Sometimes they can live for a while, but yeah, he was still alive a couple hours later, which, you know, doesn't, doesn't always sit right with me. You just, gosh, you want to make so good on these opportunities when you get a chance. And, um, but, you know, made a lethal shot on him. He was going to die. I just figured I had to give him some time. And so I, I gave him a couple hours, and his head was still up. He was just still alive. And it's that, that hot sun, and it's it's like, man, you know, the buck's down there suffering. I'm sure he's getting stiff. He's hurt. You know, Dan, I'm just going to sneak in and put another arrow in him. So I, I snuck down. We had to um, snuck down and and put another arrow in him 40 yards, stuck one in the front of his chest there. It was like the only shot I had in his bed, um, and, and finished the job. And he, he tumbled down the hill and died pretty quick like he should. But, um, you know, that's, you just can't have those shots back as the deal is it can bug you to the, to the nth degree, or it can really get to you, or you just wish you would have made a better shot or wish you would have done something different, but you just don't get them back. You just have to, you have to roll with the punches and react to the, to what happens in the situation and keep your head in the game. Uh, I mean, it's, it's all I can do. Um, I thought I executed a good shot. I didn't jerk my trigger. I didn't, you know, I did everything right. Just pin floated to the right or something, you know, as that shot broke. Who knows? Uh, but in the end, it was a good kill shot. In the end, the buck bedded down. He was hurt, able to finish him up for a second arrow. And so now that it's all done, all the, the stress is relieved. And, and now, you know, now I'm feeling pretty good about myself. You know, it's like, um, man, you just accomplished the impossible. Those deer are so tough to kill. Their instincts are so keen. The country they live in is so remote. And um, so we killed this buck. And to tell you the truth, we had been pushing our water. We had enough water for the morning. 
and uh, we had been um, conserving our water. And when you conserve your water, you never really get hydrated. You're you're drinking two four ounces at a time just to quench your thirst and get your mouth wet. And then, um, you know, you're trying to save the rest. And I had brought a water bottle down on the stock. So we had ditched our packs and I brought a water bottle. I filled up with uh, 10, 12 ounces of water, which I like to do on these stocks. So I, I split that with Dan as we were down on this buck. But um, we we got back to our packs and we were, you know, we maybe had, I maybe had 10 ounces of water left. Dan had 20, but I haven't been that dehydrated since my wrestling days. It just takes it out of you. All the climbing we did that day. I mean, I, I know we did over 3,000, 4,000 vert and a bunch of miles. And uh, we were definitely pushing it. And, um, you know, Dan is tough as nails and guy trains hard. And um, but but I could tell, you know, it was uh, he he was uh, on the edge of dehydration. So we really had to keep an eye on ourselves to make sure this this situation didn't go dangerous. And really dehydration and heat stroke probably more dangerous than the scorpions or the lightning or the remote country or anything we're going to face. Like like uh, the dangers of that is real. And a guy could go man down pretty easy in that stuff. So, um, you know, got the buck, super stoked. I love hunting with a good hunting partner that's just as stoked for my success as his own. And uh, Dan sure shared that with me. He was sure happy for me. And um, we're feeling pretty good. We caught it on film, but we are in bad shape. We are dehydrated. My mouth is so dry. In fact, uh, when you see the film or you see the pictures, you zoom in and you know how your, your lips get like uh, dry skin all over them and really dry and cracked, but they get all that, uh, gosh, it's, I don't, I don't even know what it is, but you just get all this crud on your lips. It's kind of like brown or whatever, dry brown. It's all over my teeth, all over my lips. Like, uh, uh, I like I say I hadn't been this dehydrated since my wrestling days and and I can push my hydration levels I mean I I never run with water you know unless it's over 10 miles and um, you know I can really push hard and I don't my body just doesn't need that much water but we are burning it now and so we get to this buck and uh, I can tell Dan's in bad shape he's got to sit in the shade a couple times and you know usually he's all in helping with things and uh, you know it He's just a goer, you know. Dan is always good. I I hardly ever see Dan in bad shape, but I could tell he was pretty dehydrated. And so we had, we thought we were just gonna bone out this buck and then take him, but we had to climb him two thousand feet to the top of the ridge or fifteen hundred anyways, and then miles out to the truck. And uh, I just told Dan, I said, "Man, we got to keep it safe here. Let's bone out this buck. Let's hang him up in the shade here, and then um, let's just get ourselves out. We got to get our camp out. We've got so many miles to go today to get out, and we've got no water. I mean, at this point, by the time we make it to the buck, I think we're trying to nurse about six, eight ounces of water, and we drank half of that when we made it to the buck. We're down to four ounces a piece of water, so just nothing, and just so dry. In fact, Dan started to lose his voice there. His throat got so dry, and uh, we are pushing it. And, um, so I just make the, I make the decision that we're not going to pack this buck out into the truck. Let's hang him up here in the shade. I'll come back and get him in the morning and, uh, let's just get ourselves out and get to some water and keep it safe. So, uh, we burned it. We, uh, butchered that deer out. It's not the most enjoyable butcher I've ever done, but, uh, pretty stoked for the success. And we get them all taken care of, hung up in a really good shady spot, get them cooling down. 
and uh, get out of there. And, you know, at night it's getting down to 50 degrees and it's three degrees cooler for every thousand feet up on the mountain. So I'd imagine it's almost getting into the forties, but it, you know, especially with air all the way around it and wind and killing them in the afternoon like that, uh, I knew he was going to be okay. So boned him out, hung him up. And uh, we just got ourselves out of there, made the big climb up, got back to our camps, loaded up our camps and started hoofing it out, killed our water when we made it back to our camp. So then the last, I don't know, six, eight, ten miles, whatever it was, was uh, absolutely no water. Mouth was so dry. And um, but we got ourselves out of there, kept it safe, got back to man, a cold Gatorade in a cooler on ice has never tasted so good. Uh you know, uh, that I slammed a Gatorade, water, you know, just uh, getting getting rehydrated liquid back in. But also water has never tasted so good. When you're around your house and you have tap water, uh, you know, it's like um, tap water, you know, water is good and you want to keep hydrating things. But when you are thirsty, there is nothing that you crave more than water. And water has never tasted so good. It's just a uh, liquid from the gods. It's just like, oh my gosh, you just realize uh, how important it is. But making it back to an ice cold Gatorade and ice cold water, oh my gosh. Dan gave himself a an ice cream headache from the cold, uh, you know, it's from slamming so much. And then he's walking around with a headache, you know, <laughs> it's, that is an intense pain when you get those ice cream headaches or whatever. But yeah, we made it back, uh, made it back to, to, to the truck and, um, got some liquid in us and pretty happy get down and, um, get some, yeah, I got some, uh, some fruit in my cooler and so we start getting some fruit get hydrated we're feeling pretty good you know after 20 minutes of being back or half hour of being back getting some liquids and so we cruise around the other side of the range and then yeah next morning i left dan on the vantage point and hiked in and uh went and got that buck at first light and packed him out it wasn't that big a deal it was actually a better way to approach from the other side of the range so i didn't have to pack him over top the mountain and um Packed him out and 2020 buck down, feeling pretty good. So we um, we continued to hunt for a couple days there. Um, it, heat started to get pretty intense, started uh, reaching up into the hundreds. Um, yeah, we we found um, a good buck, a uh, real wide one. Dan got a play on, and um, just didn't quite pencil. And um, so you know. It, it's kind of that choice you make. We had given ourselves that many days to go down there, and so we're getting to the end, and you know, I'll stay and give Dan an extra day or two, but I know he's just chomping at the bit for this limited entry elk tag. is such a great tag, and so um, you know, we killed the one buck and come home and reset two days to get our gear taken care of, and, and um, now I'm leaving this morning on, on um, Dan's elk hunt. So just hoping I can return the favor, and uh, he's got a real good chance to kill his best bull to date. So we're going we're gonna to go um, give him hell down there. So I got all my stuff together. I just wanted to record a recap while it was so fresh in my mind, uh, you know, what went down on the mountain, and um, just share my experiences with you guys, you know. So, uh, man, you guys, I... I appreciate all the support, all the kind words, you know, I, you know, so proud of that buck and so proud of the, um, the effort, uh, uh, the, the mental fortitude, um, hiking those miles, never getting down, always believing we're going to kill one, you know, and, and to be able to accomplish that, 
sure feels good. It it's um it's the top of the mountain. It's the best for sure. And uh, like I say, I was just looking for a good adventure on this hunt. And um, you know, I I always want to be successful, of course, but um, I just want to enjoy the process, enjoy the journey, and um, enjoy just the grind and putting all this effort in mentally and physically, and just being at the top of my game. I trained so hard all year. Like this is my chance to prove it. Like this is my chance to prove it to myself how hard I can go and how far I can push myself uh, to to give myself a chance of success and gave myself a chance and uh, I was good enough barely, <laughs> but, uh, but I was I was good enough and able to come out on top and arrow a really nice deer. So what a great way to start the season and now I just got to return the favor um, to my to my good buddy and hopefully we'll we'll kill a good bull. So uh, try to keep can um gathering content whether that's live hunt on the podcast or a recap or a podcast with dan and then um try to grab some good video footage and um yeah we'll just see what we can do down there but yeah thanks so much you guys for all the kind words and support and comments i posted that buck on social media and just overwhelming support by other hunters and things and that's that's pretty cool that's um that's what we're out here you know support our own you know and encourage our own and uh so i i just can't wait to see your guys's success this season and i i just uh appreciate everything i'm so humbled by these experiences they um they really put my life into perspective and uh, just being able to have adventure in my life um is absolutely amazing uh 40 years old and i i still just feel like a like a kid like a going to the wrestling state tournament or, you know, playing in the big game or, you know, I just, I still have such a passion for this. I, I swear I love it more each and every season and I love challenging myself and, um, man, that's just the, the, the greatest sport on earth or the, the, the greatest passion on earth. This, this backcountry bow hunting is so fulfilling. So, uh, Buck's all butchered up. He's in the freezer and, um, man, I'm, I'm good to go. So, uh, another hunt on the horizon. So I'm pulling for all you guys. Um, hunt hard, give it your all, and uh, enjoy the process. And I uh, got some good podcasts coming up this week. Um, I, I think uh, I'll try to release this Nevada one here soon. And then um, I've got uh, Bert Soren from Soren X. Man, that guy is just a super inspirational, motivational, just the guys he hangs out with uh, that he runs in. Uh, so many great sayings from his podcast, uh, uh, breathing that thin mountain air, which means to, to climb to the top, to be better. And then, um, the haze in the barn, when you have all your work and all your training. And I talked to him just right before I left to this Nevada hunt. So, um, yeah, it should be a, should be a great one. Um, so check that out. And then I've got one coming up with Dan Bacar. Uh, finding uh, hunting giant mule deer and then uh, hunting giant elk. He killed his best bull to date. Make sure to check out his Beyond the Grid episode that's out now uh, for that giant bull. And um, yeah, just thanks for Eastman's for all their support, support of this podcast and filming and things of that nature. And um, just an awesome company to work for. Uh, such a name in Western hunting and for good reason. So I, I just, uh, I love all those guys in there at the office and, and really appreciate their support and, um, just appreciate you guys just, uh, you know, it's so humbled after, after one of these, these big goes. So, um, 
back to the mountains. I absolutely love it. So good hunting, guys. I'll check in with you soon.